You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day to day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening, everyone. How are we doing? I lost my iPad on the way to church this morning, so I don't know where it is. So I want to use this. Um, really, really good to see you all. Um, just to share what we're doing, um, this morning we did part one of the Gathered Church, the power of the Gathered Church. And um, tonight I'm just going to do a bit of a part two. And. Um, and then we'll be sharing for the next couple of weeks, and then we're going to be starting a new series right up till Christmas. And I say this because you can get a couple of commentaries on the, at the new bookstore. Uh, if you like, we're going to be doing Daniel in the morning, and then we're going to be doing 1 Peter in the evening. Both books, Old Testament and New Testament, basically exploring the theme, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in exile? Um, what does it mean to um, be a disciple in our current cultural climate and our society that we live in. So we're going to be exploring that through Daniel and Peter. Um, so tonight I just want to talk about the power of the gathered church and if you weren't here this morning, which I know most of you weren't, then you can um, see the live stream or the podcast and, and catch up on part one. So this is part two. Uh, there's, a, there's a really good uh, pastor and communicator in the States called Stephen Furtick and he said this, perspective is either your prison or your passport. Perspective is either your prison or your passport. And um, certainly as a husband and uh, dad to three girls and soon to be a dad to four children, we don't know the sex. Does anyone know that Jenny's pregnant? Guest? Okay. <laughs> Bit awkward. Um, so <laughs> she's pregnant. 22 weeks pregnant. Um, and then I've uh, been a pastor during COVID, everything constantly, daily, weekly. Uh, the greatest challenge is on my perspective. God is constantly challenging me on my perspective. The problem isn't the problem, it's the perspective I have on the problem. And so I've constantly got to be talking to God and talking to myself and talking to people around me and saying, look, is there another way of seeing this? Um, and, and the Bible basically shifts perspective. You know, you, you may be on a, a current train of thought um, you're on the platform, you've got on the train of thought and you're heading somewhere and then you read the Bible and it just shifts everything. So it's constantly shifting our perspective uh, in terms of our view of ourselves, in terms of view of people, in terms of view of life, in terms of view of God centrally. Um, I, I've been really struggling with my vision of late and um, I went to the opticians and uh, my stigmatism I have in my left eye is gone a lot, lot worse. 
And so uh, they, they even gave me like the latest prescription and I still couldn't see very well. So there's this technology in the contact lenses. Um, I think it's new. They told me it's new. It's probably been out for years. And um, where they shake the contact lens around your, your eye. And um, when they put the new contact lens in on Friday, which I can now why I can see you all, blew my mind. I've been basically living with blurred vision for so long, and suddenly, like, just incredible. See everything so, so clearly. And um, that's what God does. Constantly shifting our perspective as you read God's word, and we get to see things more clearly. And I, I think um, as we look at the, the power of the gathered church, particularly as we kind of have this uh, reset moment uh, after 18 months of not doing church, in inverted commas, as normal, um, I'd love for us to kind of go back biblically and look at God's perspective, God's heart about the gathered church. And um, I want to start as an introduction, five common misconceptions about church. Okay, so this is... Five common misconceptions about church. First of all, it's something we attend or go to. So I, I know I actually did a message many months ago about the power of attending because when you understand what the church is, then the default of that and the symptom of that will mean attendance. So it doesn't mean don't attend church, but what it means is the church is people. Does, that, does everyone know that? So we're, we're, I'm teaching my three-year-old that right now. Um, and so it's not the steeple, it's the people. And <laughs> anybody with me? So the church and Christ, husband and wife. Um, we, we are the church. Ecclesia in the Greek means the gathered crowd. So um, it's not something we attend or go to, but it's something is who we are. We are the church. Um, secondly, churches are something that's optional. It's not something like, well, a bit of a pick and mix, pick and choose, you know, depends how I feel. We are in very, very, and let me just reiterate from this morning, um, actions speak a lot louder than words. Culture shows up what we really value in terms of our actions and behaviors. And the last 18 months, we have focused on engagement over attendance, and we're going to continue to do that as we build a hybrid of online and in-person church. We can connect with so many more people uh, online, we recognize that people coming to a service is going to take time. And people should not feel any guilt. Okay, and you've heard it from me and you'll hear it from Jeremy. You should, people should come when they feel ready to come. Okay, because everyone's on different stages of the journey, different ends of the spectrum, processing so many difficult things. We've had to process it. You know, as, as Joni um, is, is pregnant and it's like, Everyone says, don't get the jab. Then we're on the news. It's like, you've got to get a jab. You've got to go and get it. And so we're constantly processing these things. We have to, you know, one kid in nursery, two in school. So we're constantly, uh, as we're trying to bring um, a level of wisdom and discernment to life of the church, we've got to recognize that wisdom is um, a thousand shades of gray. It's, it's how we interpret life. It's what you do with knowledge and interpret it in its different kind of, the subjectivity of people's lives. And so it's not black and white, it never is. Um, but when it is something we can come to, then it isn't optional for um, a disciple. John Stott, one of my favorite authors and teachers, 
He said this, um, an unchurched Christian is a grotesque anomaly. <laughs> Stitch you there. Thank you very much. The New Testament knows nothing of such a person, for the church lies at the very center of the eternal purpose of God. It is not a divine afterthought. It's not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. Only John Stock could say it like that. Absolutely beautiful. And so, um, yeah, the foyer has moved in terms of um, where people gather, in terms of things that are out there on the internet. But the Bible hasn't moved. And so we need to come back to um, God's intentional design. Uh, thirdly, church isn't about me. If you um, had ever thought that. And I, I love what Alan Hirsch uh, says. Again, he's a great author. And he says this, if you have, have to use marketing, and, I, and, and we think about this all the time, if, if we have to use marketing and the lures of entertainment and the church isn't here to entertain people. To attract people, then you'll have to keep them there on the same principle because that is what people buy into. Win them with entertainment, and you have to keep them there by entertaining them. For a whole lot of reasons, this commitment seems to get harder year after year. We end up creating a whip for our own backs. And so there's this idea that it's not about us, it's about Jesus. I unpack a lot more about that this, this morning. Uh, fourthly, uh, church... Um, it isn't full of people who deserve to be there. <laughs> and so if church is full of people who think they're better than everyone else, um, that there's pride there, then that, that's, that's an issue. Okay, we, we passionately believe in this church is that um, we are wounded healers. Okay, and um, we want to embrace transparency, we want to embrace humility and grace and uh, do away with wearing kind of metaphorically masks and the hypocrisy and comes with that and uh, not allowing shame to rob people of their confidence but people just, look, this is where I'm at in my stage of my walk and my trajectory of my journey and we're going to walk with you on that. We're going to do it together. So it's very, very important that um, this is full of people who are a mess. Okay, so you're very welcome. Um, we sure feel very, very at home here. Um, and finally, uh, church isn't a business. Structure is crucial. Um, we take all things financially and um, uh, safeguarding all these things super, super seriously, and so we should. But we're not an organization. Um, we want to do things well, but we're a family, and we're about people. And structure and organization should never replace relationship. Okay, we, we do things to help support the spirit moving. Not that the spirit needs any support. But as the spirit moves, we seek to put things in good order, which is what we read in, um, in the New Testament. So, I'm all about a vision of church according to the Bible. And Simon read out, those beautiful verses in the early church, which is like a template, it's a pattern. It's the DNA of what the church should look like. And if I'm honest, that is the church that I would join. I read that and I think, yes, I want to I be part of a church just like that. And um, what we need is a, a, rest, a kind of a, a reformation, a restoration um, of the church to the primitive pattern of the New Testament early church. 
And so we need to converge once again our perspective with God's design for the church. Uh, it's beautiful in its simplicity. Um, in contrast to often the modern methods of enticing people to church. And uh, the spirit is organizing people into this community uh, with DNAs and with values that bring extraordinary growth. And uh, it's, it's incredible. And right at the beginning of the text, it says they devoted themselves. And I think there's three really, really important words that um, when it comes to church and being the church, um, it's something that we need to take responsibility for ourselves. That we are devoted, we are leaning in, we're looking to give of our gifts, we're looking to encourage someone, we're looking to serve someone, uh, that we're always on the lookout, but it's something that comes from within. We're not looking to be cajoled into, or I ought to do this, but followers of Jesus should have an internal self-starter button that says, you know what, I'm devoted myself, I don't need to be persuaded this, this is who we are and this is what we do. And I think people are well up for biblical awe and signs and wonders, but without biblical devotion. And we need both and, not either or. In fact, I think God trusts a church with seeing great manifestations of his presence and power with those who um, put first and foremost good character. And people want to be like Jesus and people who will have a commitment and a, a loyalty, a fierce loyalty to Jesus. Um, it's like they've made the decision, and we'll look at this a bit more with like Daniel and Peter, but you, you've made a decision in your heart before you get to the place where you need to make a decision. So that, that place is the place often of temptation. It's like, okay, what do I do here? But it's actually, you, you res Jonathan Edwards talks about this, uh, the great revivalist, you know, he, he talks about, I have resolved. So there's a resolve deep within you that I'm just not going down that path. And it's, it's a path of integrity. And so um, devoted is often a dirty word in our generation. People are so often unfaithful to Christ and his church and to each other and marriage. And, but devoted is beyond emotion. Devoted is commitment. It, it's, it's about covenant. Um, it goes beyond our, our, our emotions. And... Um, and you know what, we can't be devoted to everything. So it's important that we choose what are we gonna devote our lives to and for. I mean, look at the scripts and the narratives and the causes that are out there right now in the world. People are passionate for so many different things. And there's millions and millions of, co of, of, kind of causes that we can get involved with and we've got to decide what is our story? What is the story that God is writing over our hearts and our lives and us as a church and go for that? We are determined to build a sustainable rhythm and pace in the life of the church and not go back to just being busy for busy sake. We want to be a church that bears fruit. We say, Spirit of God, where are you moving? What's working? What's bearing fruit? And we want to go after that. And if that's just a handful of things, so be it. I think that's been one of the great, um, well, I suppose successful things in our COVID journey, redemptive things, is that we've just focused on a few things. And, and that's meant that we've, we've not burnt out. We've not, you know, the staff aren't, haven't been killed off. Okay, they're still here. 
and we're growing, which is really, really exciting. So I think the uh, devoted disciple and the devoted church really requires faithful commitment in just three things, three areas that we see in this passage. And really simply, think, think about a triangle, it's up, in, and out, which really the kind of the basic rhythms of church life and discipleship life, we need to be connected with God, we need to be connected in community, we need to be reaching out and bear witness to Christ. So we see these three things up in and out just in, in this, and we're just going to have a quick look at it. First of all, up, you know, teaching. And um, can you imagine the Holy Spirit is moving, such power in the early church, and um, they're probably making things up as they go along. And they're probably thinking, oh, the Holy Spirit is, the, you know, he's the teacher. But, but no, there's an there's a understanding, there's a verticality that goes throughout the whole of Scripture. We understand submission under God's Word. And we want to make God's Word central, which is why we go through books of the Bible. It's why we've got Bibles. I mean, we'll have pews next. Um, we'll put the Bibles under the pews. Bring them back, So I say. And um, that was a joke. Guess uh, <laughs> get any letters this week? Please don't. Um, I've lost my track uh, but can you imagine that people would be tempted to be um, trade on their experience of God and kind of uh, be governed by the ecstasy of the moment rather than actually what which is why they came under the, the teaching of the apostles and so the, yeah, their experience was undergirded with truth and sound teaching which is really, really important. If you look at the churches that go astray in the book of Revelation, Jesus writes these report cards. A lot of it is poor theology leads to bad biography. So good theology leads to good fruit, good churches, good solid stuff. And so that we need to really, especially in our, our day and age, we need to make that central. And so uh, that teaching authority was matched and authenticated by the apostles doing signs and wonders. Um, and the spirit always leads people to come under in humility with soft hearts, tentative hearts, leaning into God's word. So they're biblically faithful. And um, I think that's really powerful. I think also you see there, prayer. And um, it's really hard not to give all information away, but we, you know, we want to a, have a culture of prayer. We don't just want to do programs of prayer, structures of prayer in our churches, that we want to really see a culture of prayer in our community. And so part of that is we're, we're creating like a 24-7 prayer room uh, in, in, the, in the church building. Because again, we want to communicate how important that is. Um, and so prayer, I think, is main, one of its main things, which is why I think it's so important, is prayer brings us to a place of dependence on God. And so kind of consumerism right now in our Western world, along with individualism and all the other isms, it's so easy to make people comfortable and have a false sense of security, which COVID, can I just say, is redemptively, I think, brought people out of a place of false security. It's made people go, hold on, I can't put my hope and trust in A, B, and C, that which is um, in the natural, but actually I need to, um, there's got to be more to, to this life? Where do I put my security and hope? Prayer defeats pride. Prayer shatters independence. Like generosity um, shatters selfishness. 
We all have the proclivity to hoard and, um, and to keep things. And what generosity does, because God doesn't need our money and neither does the church, is what it, is, it does something to our hearts. So it releases our hands and releases our hearts. And when we give, we become more like Jesus and it deals with selfishness and hoarding in our lives. And um, that false God of like money is my security. Um, and in the same way, prayer does this in our hearts. It stops us being dependent on just our own strength. And so a church that doesn't have a culture of prayer, I'm asking a deeper question. I'm saying, hold on, are you doing a lot of stuff for your own back here? And that's why the persecuted church, are, they're full of prayer warriors. <laughs> Because they can't rely on the things that are tangible to provide that assurance, that security. They have to pray because they have nothing else and they're completely dependent on God, not themselves or the government or anything else. They're completely dependent on So we've got to, we've got to lean into this. Um, and so we see a real culture of prayer. So the other thing that kind of is connected with God is, is worship. Uh, and of course we know worship is about our lives. It's our whole lives. Romans 12, there's a couple of verses unpacks that. Our entire lives are worship. We don't just live how we want and then come and sing a few nice songs to Jesus and say, yeah, that was my worship time. And it shows up when we're on the laptop tonight. That's worship. It shows up when we're at work tomorrow. That's worship. But of course there was a culture there of people who were full of joy, who were happy. They had glad and sincere hearts. And they, 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 they were praising God. And, um, and, and so we need to, to have that in the culture and life of the church. People are just praising Jesus constantly, giving him thanks. And um, I, I think this is a real cultural challenge to us because everything... If you think about it, like social media, Twitter accounts, Instagram posts, Facebook friends are all about off, well, I'm not saying this is the case, but it can have the perception of building a shrine to ourselves. How am I perceived? How am I portrayed? How do I look? And we get our identity from that image. Um, what this does in terms of worship is breaks that because we recognize it's not about building our platform and building our lives, but it's about our entire lives for the sake of Jesus. And the power of our words is so, so important. I was on the BBC this week and I was talking about the power of our words. Just think about um, the power of I do at um, a wedding ceremony. Just think about the words, you know, not guilty in a courtroom. Just think about it's a girl or it's a boy in, in, in the hospital ward. You know, words, two words change your life. That's why the book of James, in terms of wisdom for living, um, it's kind of the New Testament version of Proverbs, um, talks about you know, the, 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 the power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. So we've got to be careful how we speak. And that's why gratitude and thankfulness and worship and singing songs, so, so important. Worship makes it about Jesus, not about ourselves, which is why you know, when we come and we sing songs, it shouldn't be about, well, I, I didn't like that song. I do like this song. I didn't like the melody. 
don't like their voice. It's not about that. We, we need to forget all that. They've come to serve and facilitate so that we can come already prepared to worship because we know God is good. He's worth, worthy of everything. So uh, that's a bit of up. I'll just move swiftly through this. Uh, there's in, of course, there's communion, which is uh, really, really important. You know, the breaking of bread done collectively. And... Um, I love that because as we look upon the cross, as we look at, uh, upon the shed blood of Jesus for us, we of course examine ourselves, which Paul talks about uh, to the church in Corinth, but we look around the room, which is why it's so powerful. I mean, we, I've done, we've done some communion on Zoom, which is great, but I think it's much better like this. Look around the room and we ask ourselves, am, am I willing to love these people as Christ has loved us? Can I, can I love you as Christ has loved me? And that's the power of forgiveness. We don't focus on what other people have done to us. We focus on how much Jesus has forgiven us. And that releases forgiveness to other people. And forgiveness is, doesn't erase people's injustices towards us. But as I, I read this last week, it is hydration to our souls. Forgiveness hydrates us as we overcome our grief and pain of how somebody's hers. And that is done so powerfully in communion. As we look around the room and say, we forgive you as Christ has forgiven us, which is why that is in the, what was the, Lord, with the disciples' prayer, but the, the known as the Lord's prayer. And then we see fellowship. Okay, fellowship isn't about we all have to be best friends and we all have to be the same. No, the, the New Testament church wasn't based on opinions, it was based on practices. So we're unified as we come and we do liturgy and we sing the same songs and we hear the same text being preached and we, we pray for one another. It's practice-based. And fellowship, unity in the body of Christ is born out of that place. And, and, and that is not merely having a tea and coffee. After, but of course, that's one of the reasons we've done the cafe, one of many reasons. More space downstairs and upstairs to facilitate community with one another but it's about deep connection caring for one another meeting people's needs the church which is why we again why we've introduced a bit of liturgy because i think it's important we go back to this the church was selling possessions to meet demands so really in our church we're trying to help the city and we're doing an amazing job the people are serving in various ways um, with our debt food bank various other things um but we've got to make sure that among us, there's nobody in lack. As a church, we've got to look after each other. What are we doing to help each other in the church? Um, because we're a family. I think it was Mike Pilavachi. I wrote this down, but I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Mike Pilavachi. He said, we're not a business, we're a family. When our child doesn't do the dishwasher right, we don't fire them and badmouth them. We help them and train them. <laughs> Uh, my daughter's, one of my daughters sat here, so uh, that definitely doesn't happen. But we don't, do we? With our kids, we don't fire you and excommunicate you. No, like, that's not what happens. We're family. So as we address different things, we're all about helping people and training them into maturity. So, so important. And that's done in the context of fellowship. And then finally, let me just finish on this. It was an outward-looking church because the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the Holy Spirit is a missionary God who has created a missionary church. We gather to scatter. 
Yes, we have people who don't know Jesus in the room, which is what we desperately want. But we gather to be empowered, to be a witness for Christ the rest of the week. And uh, their focus wasn't just on the interior of the church, but their witness. Um, Restlessly, the, the spirit drives the church to witness and in turn churches multiplication, church plans, church sites, rise out of witness. And um, we see here, if, if God is adding to their number, he does it. Jesus builds the church. Jesus dictates the membership, which is why I'm pretty chilled out about how many people come to a gathering here because Jesus builds his church. And we'll have church wherever. I was saying this morning, I even had church in a sauna this week, which nearly killed me. Because I went there, I said, Lord, please don't make me meet people that have to share the gospel with in the sauna. That was my prayer on the way. And I get in there, and there's two people, and it's 20 minutes in, I am struggling. And um, there's one who used to be following Jesus out of church and had cancer, and um, they struggled, and then a guy who wasn't a Christian and um, just shared. And it made me think, do you know what? Wherever we are, whatever location, whatever we're doing, we're going to do church. Even if it's just a couple of us, we're going to have church. But I recognize that God is building his church. He does it. But what we see in that is that because it was happening daily, evangelism by the church was not an occasional or sporadic activity. Just as their worship was daily, so too was their witness. It was an overflow of a grateful heart. I think that's the best definition of what it means to share your faith. It's an overflow of a grateful heart. When you're so in love with Jesus and you recognize and you're so thankful to what he's done, you're in debt to him for what he's done, you live a life that overflows with gratitude and it just comes out of your mouth. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we think about what we're saying, it's actually a heart issue, not a mouth issue. So when we're sharing our faith with people, it's because it's bursting from within. And so you see this church was not self-centered, wasn't self-contained, but it was filled with the Holy Spirit and marked and sent out in witnessing to the resurrected Christ. And all of this led to an experience of him, which is interesting. When we start to press on the pedal of these things and allow it to be our culture, what it leads to is to encounter with Jesus, encounter with the Holy Spirit. And um, as I say, we are committed to an online church, but there are some things, in fact, many things which are not downloadable. There are many things which you can't replicate through a TV screen. And that is, was many things, fellowship, different things, but primarily it is countering together as the temple of the Holy Spirit, the unique, special presence of God among us in the distinct event which is called church. Where as we worship the king, we as a remnant people, we as a kingdom belong to the king and we come and we bear witness to that and we lift his name up and then his presence comes in power. And, uh, and, and, and it's cyclical. And as we encounter Jesus, he leads us back to all these things we talk about. A life lived for him, for each other, 
and for the world. So why don't you stand? We're going to pray, then we're going to worship, and then we're going to drink coffee. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.